Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Morning, everybody. How we doing? Good, I want to make sure I have my communion stuff because that could get really awkward really fast. And... These things are like, you know, kind of Fort Knox sometimes. One of these times we do communion, one of these is going all over my shirt. And that day, you better laugh. You better laugh at me, all right? And you don't have to pretend that you're laughing with me. You can laugh at me. It's totally okay. Well, if you haven't noticed, we're doing something a little different this morning. Um, Sometimes we like to mix and match with the order of our service. And uh, we're having worship time more at the end of our service today. And there's a reason for that. We like to kind of turn things around because sometimes we want to just create an atmosphere where you can just stay and and just dwell in God's presence and not feel like, okay, now we need to move on in the service because we got to get to the word or something like that. So we are mixing it up. We've got a couple of songs that we're going to just spend some time in God's presence. We're going to have communion together as we close and just let you linger. And you can stay as long as you like. And it's going to be fantastic. How many of you guys are excited to share Holy Communion today? Yeah, awesome. It's October 3rd, which I can't believe. So if you're new with us, um, one of the things that we like to do is every first Sunday of the month, we like to share communion kind of corporately together as part of our service. But if you aren't here the first of the month, or for some other reason you can't be with us, you can share communion with your family or a group that you're here with each and every Sunday. Uh, Those elements, these little elements will be here for you, and you can do that every time we worship together, because it's important to us that we share Holy Communion together. All right, let's get into the Word this morning. We've been studying in really just the character and nature of God. We've had a, a series ongoing here that we simply called Known. Because the reality is, our God wants to make himself known to us. He wants to be known by you and I, which is an incredible thing when you think about it. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, you know, who am I that you even think at all about me is what David said to God. Yeah, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know him deeply and intimately. So he intentionally reveals his ways and his heart to us. Paul in Philippians says, you know, it's not so much about what we know about God, you know. I can, I can know a whole lot about an engine of a car without ever touching one, right? There's a difference between how I know it and how Brant knows it, you know. And there's a difference between knowing a lot about God and knowing him, joining him. Paul says, even to the point where you're willing to share in his sufferings. What does that mean to us today? That means... That what makes his heart break, breaks our hearts. And we're willing to share in his sufferings. So we've covered a lot of ground already in this little series that we've been in. I want to encourage you, if, if you haven't been uh, diving in with us, you can find all those messages on YouTube or on our podcast. If you just want to say, I want to focus on God's heart, his character, his nature a little bit more this week, go back and listen to some of those things. We've talked about the way that God is, is both just and merciful at the same time. It's a bit of a paradox about who he is. We talked about what it means to truly know him, join in with what he's doing. We've talked about a God who is a God of peace And the Father heart of God, there's a lot of things that you can dive into today. But the Lord wants to be known by us. So we're going to take another look at Scripture. I want to look at another part of his character that is simply amazing. And we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 34. So if you have your Bible today, 
Or if you've got your smartphone and you're on the Bible app, on the live thing, uh, you can pull it up and it'll take you to Exodus chapter 34. And if not, it's okay because we've got these giant screens that'll just blare the scripture at you. So I want to read just one verse to you again out of Exodus 34. This is a fundamental passage in the Bible. It's a conversation that God and Moses are having together. And it's a moment when God reveals who he is to Moses. And this is the most quoted passage in the Old Testament by any other writing in scripture. They keep coming back to how God describes himself because he wants us to know him. So it's kind of important for us to pay attention to the moment where he's like, this is who I am, right? So Exodus chapter 34, and we're going to read just verse 6, and we're going to capitalize on something that God says here. It says this, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Slow to anger filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Different translations in English, you know, have different ways of interpreting what that means, but that that saying they're slow to anger is what I want to focus on for a few minutes today. Other translations say, I am long-suffering, which is a fancy old word for patient. I'm patient with you. The message version says this, he is a God of mercy and grace, endlessly patient with us. I like that. And I think we all need that in our lives, right? So today, we're just going to take a few moments and consider together the patience that God has for us. Amen? Let's pray together and we're going to dive in. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for your massive heart for us. We're thankful for the ways that we can know you. And we pray that you would help us to do that today. God, as we reflect on who you are, I pray that it would just sit in our spirits and awaken something inside of us. Help us to see, man, I've experienced this. (laughs) I know how patient you've been with me, Lord. I pray that it would awaken just an adoration in our hearts for you more and more and more. That it would carry over outside of Sundays, Lord, into our Mondays and on into our week. That we would just remember, God, how patient you are with us. Help us to just be in awe of you and help us be patient with others as well. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start with a fill in the blank this morning. Okay. Good things come to those who. All right. I'm glad. At least we know what it says. I don't know if we believe it, but we at least know what it says. Now, now we'll do like a show of hands. How many of you guys love the DMV? All right. Liars. Uh, Don't lie in church. It's a bad thing to do, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, Sherry. I apologize. I should have checked in. <laughs> How many of you guys love it when you like need to use the copier in the office and your coworker Ted is copying what looks like a dictionary in front of you? Like, does anybody love these kind of situations? Like the light turns green and the person's not moving. You look over and they're just they're on their phone for sure, right? These things, they stir something inside of us where we're like, can't do it. I can't bring myself to just wait. Good things come to those who wait, but we hate to wait, don't we? We do. So I think when we relate to a God who is so endlessly patient, there's a good place for us to start this moment. And we have to recognize something off the bat, which is this. Patience ain't exactly our strong suit in 21st century America. 
Can we get an amen to that one this morning? I want to make sure you're awake out there. Yeah. So here's the reality. Even if you happen to know somebody, like the one person in Northeast Ohio who exudes patience at every turn and just like radically embodies this godly characteristic of patience, chances are that person is massively misunderstood, right? Massively misunderstood. Maybe their thoughts just be like, he's not patient, he's just weak. That person's just weak, right? He's a pushover, whatever it may be. Unmotivated, lazy is what that person is. Because our world places a premium on speed and convenience, right? We can have it our way. And anything that is remotely slow or patient or deliberate is just in need of an upgrade in our world, right? There's a famous experiment I'm going to show a video clip in a moment uh, of a Stanford experiment called the marshmallow test. Maybe you've seen it before. It was made where you take a child and you put a marshmallow in front of them. You test their ability to delay gratification. Delay gratification. What a lost art that is, right? I showed a clip of this about five years ago, and I was looking for that clip, and I found a different clip, which had a little bit of a twist on it. So I want to share this with you guys uh, this morning. That dude is messed up. That's just wrong, right? How can you do that to that poor kid? Especially because he's the cutest kid ever. I've watched my son do that, by the way, where he like slowly reaches towards something and he knows he's not supposed to touch or something like that. It's exactly like that. But yeah, that's messed up. This is like taking me back to the talk about God's justice we had a few weeks ago. I want to like rain down justice on that man for being such a jerk. Yeah, you know, I, I, Lara and I, we know about delayed gratification. We, um, we're right in the thick of that with our toddler. Um, I just have this daily thing where multiple times a day he asks me for something and I say yes. And then he asks me again. I say yes in a minute. And he says, you know, can I have it? Can we go outside? Yeah. Can we go outside? Yeah, yeah. Just give me a minute. Can we go outside? And just, you get the picture. That's like every day all the time with my son, Ethan. So I get this. Uh, But the reality is this, we don't come into the world with patience, right? We're not born into this world with the ability to wait for much of anything. And we aren't really learning patience in our world very well anymore. I, I personally, I would like to create a new version of this test. And what I would like to do for a new version of this test is test it on adults' ability for delayed gratification. And what I would like to do is I would simply like to go and, and just ring this sound and see how many people get twitchy, okay? Because everybody has the same message tone anymore. And when one of those goes off in a public place, it's amazing if you just watch people. Your phone could have been on silent since 1982, and you're still like, uh, uh. Uh, so um, somebody needs me, somebody needs something, because we, we do not have the ability to wait for anything anymore. Sometimes our phones don't even ring or buzz, and we still think we heard them. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. John Acuff is a Christian business speaker, and he, he talks about his kids' lack of patience, and it's absolutely hilarious. He's, he says that if the loading wheel on their Netflix account does more than two revolutions, they go, what are we, Amish? Like, Dad, get us on a better system. And they make him tell the story of driving to Blockbuster so that they can laugh at how barbaric things were in Dad's time, where he had to drive to a store to get a movie you wanted to watch, and they might not even have it. And they just laugh because they can't conceive of a world where you don't get what you want whenever you want it, right? In our world, we're addicted to speed. We're addicted to the old Burger King slogan, have it your way, right? 
Both of which things, speed and convenience, they develop the opposite of patience in our hearts over time. It's a reality. I mean, if we get real about this today, why would we go find an expert on a health question when you can Google it to death until you're absolutely perfectly sure that you have the rarest case of the rarest disease ever, right? Why would you wait for a health expert anymore? Or hey, let's get even more real in church. Why journey with the people of God? Why take time with God's people and take time to serve a church, invest in a church, be part of something when the greatest preachers in the world are available for you at your fingertips instead on your drive to work when you can multitask? Why would we do that? Why go to the word of God for wisdom? Commit a lifetime of study because it takes a lifetime of study. Why would we commit that kind of time when you can just look at an online prophet who's going to tell you what you want to hear anyway? Hmm? Don't get me wrong. There are absolutely marvelous advancements in technology. I would not want to go back to how it was when I was like 10 years old. You know, because I remember what it was like before all these things exist. But there's also an exponential increase in our appetite for more and now and on my terms, and it does something to our souls. It's a reality that we have to wrestle with. This is our world, and patience, particularly patience with one another, is something we need to rediscover, something we need to commit to learning, something that we have to choose and cultivate in our lives. The world cannot teach you how to be patient because it doesn't know how. You cannot learn how to be patient with people from our world. It doesn't exist. But God can teach you because he is patient, long-suffering, slow to anger, and he created us to walk with him and to walk with each other in patience. Amen? God's ways are different. And they don't change. He doesn't change. He hasn't changed. And he remains patient with us in a way that we have a really hard time relating to. We desperately need to rediscover God's patience and experience and remind ourselves how patient he has been with you and me. We need to both have a a revelation of his patience that he's already given to us and his time that he takes with us. And we need to let him teach us how to be patient with one another as we're instructed to be in Scripture. In Exodus, as we just read, God reveals this part of who he is, that he is endlessly patient. He's slow to anger, long-suffering with us, because we need it. Am I right? We need God to be patient with us. Otherwise, we're all toast, okay? The context of this amazing verse, this amazing moment with Moses and God is absolutely vital. So I want to ask you, if you don't know, what's happening in this moment? Exodus 34. What's actually going on in the grand scheme of God with his people? Well, you might recognize a place called Sinai in scripture. This is the Sinai moment. It takes up most of the second half of Exodus. And this is a moment where God shows up with his people and chooses to willingly bind himself in covenant relationship with them. But catch this, he's willingly binding himself to faithfulness to a group of people he knows will not keep up their end of the bargain. He knows, because he knows how we're made. Moses and pretty much everybody in scripture who is genuinely pursuing God gets so frustrated over and over again with the people. 
Because people flake, don't they? They make empty promises, they go back on their word, and then they pretend like, oh, I just didn't hear you. I didn't see that text message, God, right? We still do this all the time. This is the moment of the golden calf story. You might recognize that one. The people of Israel, they've just been delivered from 400 years of slavery in Egypt with just miracle after miracle, God's power on just massive display right in front of their eyes. And then God invites them into this special, special relationship with him that he wants to make them a people so blessed that they bless the whole world, a kingdom of royal priests. And they're like, yes, sign me up for that. I like the sound of that. Okay, God, I'm, I'm good with that. They accept the covenant with God. And as Moses is up on the mountain learning the ways and the terms of God's covenant relationship, they grow impatient. They're not cool waiting. They're like, come on, let's get to the blessing part. I don't want to learn, you know, the terms and conditions here. I just want to experience the goodness. I mean, there are seven chapters on instructions for building the tabernacle. And they're super important if you study scripture, but I doubt anybody here goes, yeah, those are my favorite chapters of the Bible, right? You guys, any of you guys doing the read through the Bible in a year thing? Don't tell me you stayed awake during those seven chapters on how to build the tabernacle. Remember, don't lie in church, right? They're not anybody's favorite. Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights alone with God, and they decide they don't want to wait anymore. Anybody know what the number 40 represents in Scripture? Testing. 40 years in the wilderness. 40 days Jesus was in the wilderness. Testing, testing. And what we find in the test of Israel's patience here is that they're like the kids with the marshmallows. They don't want to wait any longer. The covenant relationship isn't even off the ground yet, and they ask Aaron to make them a new idol. Come on, make a God for us that we can worship. A golden calf. A new God to serve. And let's get this party started. Because we're sick of waiting. Moses can't believe what he sees. You know, you've seen God's awesome power. You're just scraping the surface of his intentions for you. You're, you're, you don't understand what God has in store for you, but you just don't seem to care. You're apathetic and self-centered. He just can't believe what he sees from his people. You know, and they're kind of like humans in the days of Noah. Kind of like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Kind of like human beings always, and even us, if we're honest with ourselves today. So Moses and God, they have this moment. And Moses is like, God, I can't do this. You've seen these people. I'm not going anywhere without you. I love that statement he makes to God. Unless you go before us, we're not moving from this place. What a great thing to say. God deals with the sin of the moment, but ultimately shows incredible mercy on his people. He is patient with them, and he chooses to stick with them. In this moment, it's show and tell from God. He tells us who he is and who he will always be, but he also shows his incredible patience with people. He is compassionate and gracious and good to them, even when they're faithless, because God's faithfulness is not determined by our faithfulness. Aren't you thankful for that today? Because I know myself well enough to know that if God's faithfulness to me was determined by my faithfulness to God, once again, I'm sunk. I'm sunk. But despite the fact that we're often faithless, he is faithful to the end. Faithful and true and good and loving with us. In this moment of Exodus, which 
just so captures the impatience of God's people, God is still incredibly patient with them. It's amazing. And this same heart is fully, once again, on display in Jesus. When John writes of who Jesus is coming into the world in John chapter 1, he actually quotes Exodus 34 to describe Jesus himself, full of grace and truth. He is the balance of justice and mercy, but he's patient enough to move into the neighborhood with us. He's patient enough to come and dwell among us, be God with us. I want you to think for a moment of the disciples and name all of them. And if you can't name all of them, you don't pass the test. I'm just kidding. Honestly, I don't know Bartholomew, where it goes from there. Think for the moment of the disciples that you know, the interactions that Jesus had with his inner crew. How Jesus was with them. You know, again and again, the disciples kind of get it wrong. But Jesus is just so, so patient with them. Again and again, they were totally impatient for what they wanted to see happen. Think of Thomas. Thomas, even after Jesus is alive again and shows himself, Thomas goes, oh, no, I don't believe you unless I see the marks from the nails on the hands and feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, it's okay, Thomas, here you go. Here you go. I know what you need to see. Think of Philip. Jesus is giving incredible wisdom. And Philip's like, yeah, 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 that's all good. Just show us the Father and we'll be content. (laughs) Talk about impatient. Jesus is like, Philip, man, I'm right here. I'm right here if you've seen me. You've seen the Father. And despite the fact you can't grasp that right now, Philip, I'm going to stick with you anyway. Sticking with you anyway. And then there's Peter. Oh, Peter, right? How many of you guys love Peter's story? Peter is the guy with a tremendous case of foot and mouth disease. He just loves to stick his foot in his mouth, doesn't he? Then there's, there's that infamous sword incident with Peter, right? Jesus, I've got you. Don't worry, I got him. And he hacks the ear off of a guy. In his impatience. Don't worry, they gotta go through me first, Jesus. We've never done that before, right? Peter thought the way to follow Jesus was to cut people's ears off, cut people to pieces. We might come back to that thought again sometime. We don't use swords anymore, we use words. Or all the times Peter denied Jesus. How faithful, how patient Jesus was every single time to restore Peter, to make sure Peter knew he wasn't fed up with him, still loves him. Now look, I know myself well enough to know that I would struggle with Peter. I would struggle as a friend, you know, to be good close friends with a guy like Peter, but certainly if I knew like Jesus that I was banking the future of the world on Peter, how patient Jesus was with Peter, right? Peter would later go on to write something which caught my attention this week. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Peter says this, because the people were waiting. God, when are you going to fix everything for us? They were growing impatient, and Peter comforts them and says this, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord really isn't being slow about keeping his promise, as some people think. No, he is patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent and be saved. Patience that God has for us and for everyone else is beyond our ability to fully grasp. 
is deeper and wider than we could ever imagine. But God makes his patience freely available to us today. He extends that same patience towards you and I, and we need it, probably more than we like to admit. Here's the thing about Jesus that we can see the patience of God in him. It wasn't just with those people he was close to. It wasn't just, you know what? I can see Peter's big, huge future, so I'm going to be patient with him. Even the enemies of Jesus experienced his patience. It's easy for us to decide who deserves our time, who deserves our forgiveness, who deserves mercy. We touched on Jonah's anger at God's mercy a few weeks ago. Paul gives us some insight on this, and he gives it firsthand because Paul was Jesus' enemy. Listen to what he says to his young understudy, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as what? A prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. What's Paul saying in this moment? He's saying, I was absolutely 100% the enemy of Jesus. I didn't deserve a single thing from him except for his wrath. But Jesus was patient even with me. Even while we were still sinners, he died for us, the word says, because his plans are better than mine. And he knows what I could become if I say yes to him. So back to us today. Let me ask you, has God been patient with you? Has he been patient with you? Has he been slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness? I promise you this, God wants to show you the same extraordinary love that he showed to Paul, the same patience that he showed to Peter, as he always does time and time again in scripture to make a way where there was no way for us to come near to him. And as we're going to celebrate soon, Jesus went so far as to lay down his life to make a new covenant with us so that we could all become part of his family because he's that patient with us. But the reality is, we're still human beings. We still grow really impatient, don't we? We still struggle to be patient even with God a lot of times. We have those waiting moments where we need God to do something that only God can do. What did we sing this morning? You're the only one who can, right? God, you're the only one who can do something for me, but I'm tired of waiting, God. Anybody ever been in this place? Can we be real honest in church today? God, I need you to take care of this thing in my life, but you don't seem to care. Like Tosin reminded us this morning, it was in that place that David so many times wrote, you know what? I'm going to choose you anyway. I'm going to be patient with you, God. Because we all have times when we need God to move, and we just can't wait anymore. We know what we need, don't we? Right? In those moments, God, I got it all figured out. Just do this for me now, please. Right? I know what I need. I know how I need it. I just told you, God, now where is it? Right? Patience with God, waiting on God as the scripture refers to it. Man, that takes some faith, doesn't it? That is an act of faith. That is an act of letting go and letting God be God. Saying, you know what, even the timeline of how this comes about, I trust you with. I trust you with. 
I want to share something with you today, which might be an uncomfortable truth, but it remains the truth of Scripture. Those moments where we're waiting, those moments when we don't have the answer, the moments where we don't understand, God uses those moments in your life. Not only is he right there with you in those moments in your life, but he uses those moments in ways that you don't understand in those moments. You see, we want a marshmallow. More and more and more, we, we're programmed to go, if God can't do that, then maybe he's not God. That's how we get programmed by our world. We want the marshmallow, but God has something eternal he wants to bless you with instead. And can I be real honest? There's some times where he is more interested in shaping you for eternity that you're going to spend with him than he is in your moment. That's not to say he doesn't care enough to move in your moment. But God sees forever with you. And he will use even those tough moments to shape something in you that will stand the test of all time. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes it's hard to wait. Sometimes it's hard for us to be patient with God himself. We know who he is. We know how powerful he is. But as we wait, we can fall back on his goodness. We can trust him that he sees every moment, that he knows the battle, he knows the struggle, he knows the feelings that are coming up. And we can learn to trust him. We can let him use that unrest in us that waiting is to help us unlearn the impulses that our world has programmed into us. The human nature that we all have. Can we just say this? Waiting on God in the moments when we don't understand, that is a subversive act in our time. That is a subversive act that we need to commit ourselves to, to saying, you know what? When you move, when it's on your timing, I'm ready, but I'm trusting you. Even when I don't understand, that is something our world will never come to grips with about following Jesus. It's not normal. Jesus didn't call us to be normal. It's a subversive thing to say to the Lord like Moses, unless you go before me, even though you told me where to go, I'm not moving unless you're with me. Unless I know you're here in the midst of it with me. I'm not going to see you later at that spot. I have to be with you because guess what? I choose you before I choose the miracle that I'm waiting to see. That is a subversive thing. We don't know how to wait like this on God anymore because the moment we need to wait for anything, what do we do? Hang on a second. Let me just fill this with every momentary distraction that could possibly come my way. We, sit, we fill every second of waiting with distraction, with other things, we take matters into our own hands and say like Peter, God, I got this one. Can you imagine what would have happened in that moment if Peter decided to sheathe his sword and see what Jesus was going to do? We don't never know. Because we are dedicated to taking matters into our own hands, finding our solutions, telling God what our solution is, and then saying, okay, God, do it for me. Mark Sayers reminds us that this modern mentality, our solutionism, he calls it, is ultimately a belief in novelty and a lack of patience and a lack of faith. And he says, what if the answer you're waiting for is what it has always 
been. The path of walking in Jesus' footsteps, following the traditions and the teachings of the apostles. What if the answers to the challenges you face and the challenges that we all face in our culture is still the gospel? I like that. Because the reality is we all do face challenges. You've got challenges and I've got challenges. You've got things you're waiting on God for and I've got things I'm waiting on God for. And together as the church in a culture like ours, we've got challenges. But the answer is still the way of Jesus, not the take it into my own hands way. The ways of Jesus and the ways of the world, they create a tension in us, a give and take, a push and pull in our spirit inside of every believer because his ways are not the ways of the world and we have a choice every day. It creates tension in us. And many churches have spent a lot of time trying to ease that tension. So you can do both. You can straddle that line, right? You can have a foot in both camps. Many churches have tried to simplify, water down, make it easy for us when we feel that tension between what our neighbors and friends at school and whatever else wants for us and what we know God requires of us. I want it to be clear today. That tension is something we don't want to relieve in your life. That tension is forming something in you and it's forming something in me. It's forming something in us. So don't just go seeking the wide road of convenience and ease because when you choose instead to wait on God, trust him anyway, even when you're waiting on the answer. Commit to walking in his ways even when he hasn't moved yet in that situation in your life. Something new is being formed in you and is the image of his son, Jesus, that you're becoming more like. Romans chapter 5 James chapter 1, over and over again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when we have to walk this out, what we learn is that he is strong enough in the midst of our battle. That the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope in us. That's what Paul says. So I want to invite you to refuse the gospel of instant gratification today. Return to the real thing. And start here by remembering that God has been incredibly patient with you and me and continues to be and will always be because that's who he is. Amen. Patience is no longer a virtue in our world, but it's still a fruit of the spirit the last time I checked. It's something that God wants to grow and produce in your heart. You know, we can't become more like God on our own. We cannot become more like God. We cannot be more patient, more loving, more kind, more gentle, more faithful on our own. It's born out of time in his presence when we allow his spirit to shape us from the inside out. There are two things I want to do and encourage us, and we'll get really practical because we're going to go back into worship today. There's two things I want to encourage you to do that will force you to be more patient. And here's the thing, even if you get more frustrated along the way and you're like, this is making me more impatient, it's a good thing. It'll be a good thing. That tension will be good for you. So I want to encourage you to do two things today that I believe will help you to come face to face with how patient God is and probably a big fat mirror in front of you showing you how impatient you are. First is this, like Moses, I want you to just resolve in whatever that thing is that you need God to go before you and with you to refuse to move without him. 
To say to God like Moses, unless you go with me, I ain't moving, God. I want you to look at that heart of what it means to say, you know what, your presence matters more than that promise I'm holding on to even. You see, there was a massive promised land that they were getting set to move toward. Moses was salivating at what God had described their future to be, but he knew something. God's presence day in, day out, in the mundane, in the monotonous, in those moments where it feels like Groundhog's Day in your life, matters more than when you get all your dreams coming true. Choose to wait on the Lord daily, to move with him, to seek his face every single day. That's not normal to us because we start twitching after about five seconds without an answer. Choose to let God be God in the moment with you. Before you have your answer, wait on the Lord. I don't know what you're, what you're waiting on God to answer. I don't know what miracle you need in your life. But I want to invite you to posture your heart like Moses in that way. Second thing is this, and this is more practical, a little less abstract. I want to invite you to actively choose to slow down your life. Choose to slow some things down. What do I mean? I mean create space for patience in your life. Because if you're going 100 miles an hour, 100% of the time, you're never going to learn patience. You're never going to learn its values in your life. So reality is that talk is cheap. We can come in here and talk about it. We can nod our heads and say, yeah, yeah, we need that in our lives. But talk is cheap. Walking out what we believe is what matters. Amen? It's not just what we think. It's what we do in our lives. And for two millennia, Followers of Jesus have encouraged each other to develop patterns of living, disciplines. You might have heard them called spiritual disciplines before. Practices of the faith for us to engage in that are going to help us practically to walk out the ways of Jesus. Richard Foster, one of the most foremost thinkers on spiritual disciplines, had a, a spiritual discipline he simply called slowing, slowing down. And John Ortberg went on to describe it like this. Slowing is the practice of cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place yourself in positions where you simply have to wait. That sounds terrible. Does that sound terrible to anybody else besides me? Like, I know myself well enough to be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, God. No. But what the promise is that goes along with it is when you get into those moments and you choose not to just simply distract yourself in those moments, that God will develop something in you. It's hard to hear his voice when we don't have any time to listen, right? So how can we create space? How can we create positions where we simply have to wait? I want to invite you <laughs> to, to consider in your life, what can you do to deliberately subvert our culture of constant acceleration? More, 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 now, now, now. What can you kind of wind back? What things can you do to create space? John Mark Comer has a list of like 20 things in his book, a great book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that he suggests to do if you want to slow down your life. But I want to give you four, okay? 20 is crazy. Pastors can't do 20. Here's four things that you can try, okay? Number one, get in the slow lane while driving and, and drive the speed limit. I know. I know, getting crazy, right? Or, or maybe this, go in the slow aisle, the slow line at checkout at the grocery store. The one that has all those carts stacked up. Intentionally, go slow. Or maybe let somebody else go before you. That's number one. 
You still with me? You okay? Or are you guys too, that's too much? Okay, all right, good. Number two, I love the way he says this. He says, parent your phone. Oh, it's good. Parent your phone. Put it to bed before you and make it sleep in. I'm a parent. I love that idea. <laughs> make it sleep in means I know you're awake, but you're still laying in bed, right? Parent your phone because most people, the last thing they look at before they go to sleep and the first thing that they grab in the morning isn't the Bible. It's their phone where they're about to see all the messed up stuff happening on seven continents instead of the goodness of God. Parent your phone. Number three, you still with me? Number three, take a break from social media or get off it entirely. The very least, set limits on it. You know that studies are actually out now about how bad social media is for your mental health. Like, terrible, terrible. And the studies show that it's like three days, 72 hours without it, and you already start feeling better. So maybe try it. I don't know. Could be worth it, right? I know we all have to use it in some ways, but there, you can set your limits, right? You can put your time limits. You can, you know, get off of the ones that you feel particularly addicted to. Take a break from social media, set limits, or just get off it entirely. Last one, okay? Take up journaling. Grab something that has a pen and paper. <laughs> I know. It's weird, right? Process what's happening in your life with God instead of adding what's happening to everybody else into your mix all the time. Walk with Jesus in that way. Pour out yourself on the page as an act of prayer. Take up journaling. So those are just four things, and there's a lot more. And if you're like, I can't do any of those, or I already do all those, come see me. We'll talk about more, okay? Um, but here's the reality. I'm not good at these things, so I'm learning with you. Every single one of us is guaranteed to have things in our lives, stressors, trials, as the word refers to them, in our lives that we want change in our life right now. Like, we want God to fix it for me right now. We have those things. And generally speaking, they revolve around another human being in our life, okay? Because people stress us out. People are what try our patience more than anything. But God's heart of patience is a heart for people. Amen? In those times when we're waiting for something to change in the situation, when we're waiting for God to break in, I want to invite you to continue trusting. Keep trusting that he's working. Keep following his example. And do everything you possibly can do to create space for the Holy Spirit to work on your heart in the midst of it. Because we need it. We need to let the Holy Spirit develop patience in us. Every day our culture grows less patient. Every day people grow more impatient with each other. But Paul exhorts us over and over again in Scripture to be patient with one another. Check out Colossians 3, Ephesians 4, Romans 15, 2 Timothy 4. You get the picture? Every time Paul writes to any of the churches, he says, be patient with one another. Make allowance for one another's faults. We don't do very good at that because patience with people is the hardest mountain for us to climb. The church is called to be different than our world. So I got to tell you today, if you're looking for a place that resembles the arrogant slap fights online that we see in our world, the church may not actually be what you're looking for. That's okay. Church is called to be different than our world. Amen? Amen. We choose to let God shape something different in us, letting him be God, even when we don't understand, 
You know, James, I think it was, that writes that we see now kind of like seeing through a mirror dimly, right? We know in part, someday we'll know in full. What I take that to mean is that right now I'm not going to know the answer to everything. I struggle with that. I like knowing the answer to everything. But what that is is an invitation to say, when I don't know, I still pursue you. I'm not going to say, God, unless you give me my answer right now, well, then you can do this without me. Church is called to be different, and especially when it involves other people. Where I can't wrap my mind around that. Like Moses coming down off the mountain, like, how are you worshiping a golden calf? Did you not just walk through the sea? Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes people are crazy, okay? When that moment hits, don't fly off the handle. Don't subtweet and Twitter fight. Grow up, and let's wait on God. And let's choose to do what Paul continually calls us to in Scripture, amen? We're choosing to let God shape something new in us because he is still shaping a kingdom of royal priests. That's what Peter says, right? You're called to be different. You are a holy nation, a chosen priesthood, right? In 1 Peter, he writes that to us. Paul says he's shaping a group of people who are going to carry his heart of patience to the world. James reminds us in chapter 1 that trials are going to come. Hard moments with people are going to come. They're going to happen. And when they do, he says, consider it pure joy. I don't know about you, but I don't consider those moments pure joy most of the time. God is going to shape you in the midst of it, James says. If you'll wait on him, he's going to birth something new in your character that cannot be made in the moments where everything's easy and everybody's easy. He's going to shape you. And then James goes on to give us some instruction. Buckle up, because here he goes. He quotes from Exodus 34, and he calls us to be what we see God describing himself as. James says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Like our God. Amen? Reality is in our world, our reactionism, our solutionism, our supreme lack of patience Those things disappear in us, and we become more like Jesus when we choose to intentionally slow down and wait for him in the midst of times where we don't know what's going on, and when we remember how incredibly patient he's been with us. So let's commit ourselves to doing it, amen? Let's not just nod and say, yeah, great word. What will you do today? What can you do in your life? Because every single one of us is on a massive acceleration from our world, our work habits, our family habits, all these things are constantly speeding up. What can you do to slow down and cultivate patience? I'll be honest, I'm not great at this, but I would love it if part of what Word of Grace is, together this expression of God's heart, this church we get to be part of, I would love it if everybody who calls Word of Grace home and chooses to follow Jesus together here just had an ongoing honest conversation with one another about our actual habits, not just about what we think. I would love to grow with you in this because I need to grow in this. I would love us to grab somebody here and just be like, I need help. Help me think through. Help me to practice these things. Hold me accountable to these things. What a word that we don't like anymore. Because I can see a future where God's people look dramatically different from our world. 
in a way that is full of promise for our world. Amen? But I know we don't get there by blindly accepting patterns that are toxic to our soul. That's not a recipe that's going to take us to where God wants us to be. But he does have a royal priesthood future for us together as his people. So let's do what God calls the prophet Jeremiah to. It's one of my favorite verses in the last few years in Jeremiah 6.16. He says, God is speaking and says, hey, you're at a crossroad moment. Stand at this crossroads. Don't look for the new thing. Call for the ancient path. Go back to the way it's always been. Don't just look for the quick fix of today, but the way that is God's way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Moses said to the Lord, unless you go with us, we're not going anywhere, God. And God, in that moment, renewed his covenant promises to his people again. He revealed his heart to his people, taught them who he really is. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate with communion because in Jesus, we see something even greater, even more personal to us. What Jesus himself referred to as a new covenant in his blood. Today, we're going to end with some time in God's presence. First, we're going to celebrate the new covenant that Christ made with you and I in Holy Communion. So would you stand with me? And if you don't have the communion elements, if you're watching online, run to the kitchen. If you're here, you can pop out there on the front tables and and pop back in. Luke 22 captures for us this moment that Jesus has with his disciples. It says that, After dinner, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And then he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, when we come to the table of the Lord for Holy Communion, We're celebrating the patience of our God with us. He is endlessly patient, slow to anger. He's a way maker for you and I. We get to be in his presence, not because of us. We are continually faithless like the children of Israel at Sinai. But he is forever faithful. That's never going to change. So we celebrate his patience with us today. The bread represents for us the body of Christ that was willingly broken on our behalf because we're broken people that he wants to make whole. And we're made whole in his presence in a place we shouldn't be able to come. But Jesus paid the price for us with his body. So let me ask you today, if there's something broken in your life, maybe there is that thing you're holding on to and say, Jesus, I need you to fix this because I can't do it. You know what he loves? He loves when we come to him for that. He loves when we pray and we say, I declare, Lord, that you are able. That your brokenness means I can be made whole. So whatever that thing may be in your life, sometimes he removes them instantly. Sometimes he walks with us and uses those struggles we have to develop his heart and his character in us. But whatever it is, let's commit that to Jesus as we take the bread today. Amen. under the old covenant 
guilt of sin, which we all have, could not be removed from our hearts. We know it's there. It could not be removed. We couldn't know that we're free to stand in his presence without the shedding of blood. But Jesus said, I am willing to this level. I am patient to this level that I'm going to shed my blood for you so that that guilt, that shame, that stain of sin on your life could be forever gone and you can be with me at every turn. This is the new covenant in his blood. Grateful hearts, if you're thankful today, let's receive the cup of the covenant. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me and we're going to worship in a minute. Jesus, you're so faithful. And we just stand in awe of you today. God, we want to worship you. We want to remember and remind ourselves actively of how patient you've been with us, how faithful you are, that you never change. Lord, we pray that as we worship today, you would just walk amongst us as you always do. Let our hearts beat for you today. Let it be a pleasing sound to you today. We celebrate who you are. We celebrate your patience with us. And we pray, God, that in all those things in our lives that we need your patience for, especially with people, Lord, would you teach us your ways? Holy Spirit, come and immerse us in your presence today and produce in us those things which you alone can grow in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.